0: You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, Episode 110, featuring special guest Kimberly Marable of Broadway's Hades Town. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of The Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. With the coronavirus pandemic shuttering live theater as we know it, your online presence has never been more important. Meet one-on-one with actor aesthetic founder Maggie Barra, that's me, to discuss how you can build your online presence. By the end of the hour-long virtual session, you will have a step-by-step guide to creating a powerful social media strategy and professional website that will attract creatives and casting directors alike. Book a consultation today by visiting actoraesthetic.com coaching. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining me again this week with another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. I hope you are staying safe and well because we have another incredible episode for you today featuring Kimberly Maribel. Kimberly is an original cast member of Hades Town on Broadway, where she understudies Persephone and A Fate. Additional Broadway and touring credits include The Lion King, The Book of Mormon, Sister Act, Dreamgirls, Hairspray, and The Wedding Singer. In this episode, I chat with Kimberly about going from working as a company management intern to traveling the world on both equity and non-equity national tours, booking her very first Broadway show, and developing the hit. Tony Award-winning musical Town*. Kimberly also lets us in on how she's staying sane and keeping positive during the pandemic shutdown. Be sure to listen to the end of the episode where we have another lightning round segment. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us this week. Are you in New York right now or are you somewhere else? I am in New York. I've been here in New York since late March. I know that you initially grew up in Brooklyn. How did you get involved in theater?
1: I mean, the truthful answer is I've always wanted to be a performer. Um, And I probably was doing all the dances and making my mother very uncomfortable in the womb. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, truthfully, I've been saying from a young age, I wanted to be an actor, singer and dancer and just to have kept at it. I was very blessed to have incredibly supportive parents who were like, great. If this is what you want to do, this is how we're going to make it happen.
0: That's amazing. So you always knew that you wanted to pursue this.
1: I did. Um, And I mean, there was definitely a time where I was like, maybe I want to do something else and Mm. I explored it for a moment and was like this is not for me
0: (laughs) what what was that for you I feel like a lot of people have that
1: so um it was certainly theater adjacent Um, my senior year in college I was a theater and sociology major and for the majors uh, we have a senior symposium where we have to do all sorts of things and one of them was creating you know a piece of theater Mm. you bring all the people together um to make art which is super cool um and i really enjoyed that experience of uh, that collaborative experience Mm -hmm. of bringing people and their varying levels of expertise together to create something um thought-provoking beautiful entertaining Mm -hmm. whatever the experience may end up being for people um, and so I thought I wanted to be a producer, which is wow. something that is still sort of in the back of my mind. Now, this was <laughs> years ago at Dartmouth <laughs> College, during a time where the theater department was not what it is now. Mm-hmm. I left thinking I wanted to be a producer and mm-hmm. really had no idea what was what that meant. So I ended up being a company management intern at northern stage which is like 10 minutes away from Dartmouth and I hate it <laughs> I have a great appreciation for yeah, company sure. managers like because you're dealing with payroll and picking people up from the airport taking people grocery shopping and you know I was the intern as well so I was like lugging furniture from places to <laughs> furnish apartments and driving people through blizzards in my own car so they could go home for Thanksgiving, but I couldn't. (laughs) Meanwhile, watching all of these actors from New York do what I had spent my entire life wanting to do. Um, So I, I learned very quickly, this is not for me. This is definitely for somebody else. I could see other people wanting that adjacency, but not to be on stage. And I just used the time to pick people's brains because I didn't go to a conservatory. I didn't really, you know, I'm from here. I, I mm-hmm. didn't really know the ropes. Mm-hmm. So I was asking people like, okay, well, where do you take dance class? Where do you, where do you take your voice lessons from? Who, how do you find auditions? all this stuff? I um, mean, actually working at Northern stage is really helpful for that as well. They, let me assist with some of the auditions and the casting process. and looking through submissions. Yeah, so I got to see from the other side of the table like what that was about.
0: Talk to me Um, about that because I I find that 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 kind of experience is almost more helpful than, you know, doing a summer sock show right after you graduate or in between, you know, your years at college because you learn so much from behind the table.
1: You really do. And I mean this is not meant at all to be judgmental at all. Um, But some people do some crazy things (laughs) in their auditions, like really questionable. Um, But you would never never know, unless you're sitting on the other side of the table and can see like, wow, if I let my nerves take over in this kind of way, I will
0: never be hired. Or do you think it's I often wear... because of nerves do you think that 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 is like the driving force there
1: i think i think part of it is nerves i think part of it is misinformation and people just not mm. knowing how to conduct themselves in in any audition room whether it's they got bad information or they just didn't know where to get the information so they're just kind of making it up as they go along mm. um and then sometimes i think it's the person themselves like I'm sure that people have said before, and I will say again for all of us, like it pays to be nice and to be kind and to be gracious from the waiting area before you even get into the room um, to thank your accompanist, to thank your reader, to say hello, to be organized, to be prepared. Like these are all things that we have control over as artists when we go into the audition room or even when we show up that day, being on time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean the subway is one thing if it's if that's the setup, but if you didn't get up in time, like that's on you. I think between those three things, misinformation, being a wretched person <laughs> or just yeah. not knowing any better. You know?
0: How, how was that transition for you from working at Northern Stage to, you know, your first few big professional auditions as a performer?
1: It was pretty cool. I'm really thankful for the career journey that I've had. Heck yeah! Um, because, so, <laughs> I packed up my car at the end of the Northern Stage season. It was, like, me and, like, a mountain of stuff. Drove <laughs> back to New York. Um, and started working part-time at a dance studio that I grew up at. And they totally understood like, oh, you gotta go to this audition? Great, come back later, we'll see you then, book the job. Um, And so I really had a village of people who were lifting me up and making it possible for me to be my best as far as my artistry was concerned. I also was able to move back home, so I didn't have to worry about paying rent right away.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which is huge, you know? I, I, I do not envy people who are relocating to New York from other places across the country because that's a reality is, is that you have to find somewhere to live and you have to be able to keep that place to live yeah. all while trying to really do what you want to be doing. Um, so I, I don't take that for granted. Um, that that was a huge um, level of stability that allowed me to audition for every little thing imaginable. <laughs> um, so long story short, I auditioned for all the things. Uh, did did a couple um, like non-paid theater in the park. <laughs> Make your own costume <laughs> things, um, and got uh, my first gig was uh, at Media Theater as the Aida understudy, um, and this was like back when everybody was doing Aida, at all the, yeah, the uh-huh. all the regional theaters. Um, was this your first?
0: Was... was that your first understudy uh, job? It was my first you have some... everything.
1: This first understudy first paid job first job that like uh, first job i mean the other things were you know small small roles or like you know somebody's original play that was at the producers club
0: did you happen to have an agent yet or not i did not Mm. i did it
1: all along yes you
0: did (laughs) And I mean, what kinds of auditions were you going? I mean, you said you were going to everything. So I imagine you were going to open calls. And
1: and this, I think, was back when it was easier to be, I mean, not easy, but easier Easier. to be seen Mm -hmm. um, as a non-union performer for equity auditions. The other thing about um, booking AIDA is that it gave
0: me my EMC card.
1: So that even helped me almost immediately in terms Mm -hmm. of being seen for equity shows. Um, but I actually waited to get my card for some time and, and worked quite a bit okay. of non-union um, shows, mainly tours. Actually, um, this was back okay. when the Hairspray tour was still out. Um, the Wedding Singer tour had come and gone.
0: <laughs> was Wedding Singer and and Hairspray were 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 they a pretty big factor in? not taking your card? Because I, I know that those shows at that time were non-union.
1: Um, no, it just never came up at the moment. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: It no, it didn't come up until um, after I was already on the road with Hairspray. Okay. So I, I did the Wedding tour. We were on the road for a year and then we did a sit down for a couple months in Atlantic City, which was fascinating. <laughs> um, and then I don't know that I would need to do that again but I did and that was a cool experience for my 20s oh, um, man. well you know you, they put you up in casino hotels I mean not the like fancy ones but like mm. the one down the street <laughs> who mm. wants to live there for two three months <laughs> no one no one <laughs> then you drive to work you do your 90-minute show.
0: Did you also do, uh, of the shows that you've done on tour, did you do any equity tours?
1: I did. My first equity tour was the Dream Girls tour um, uh-huh. that started at the Apollo and at Adrian uh, Warren. And, and that was actually, oh gosh, I need to do a sidebar. So you're asking about my card. <laughs> no, because how I got my card, is a pretty epic story. Yeah. So I um, was on a layoff during the Hairspray Tour, which was non-union, okay. um, and auditioned for Weather Vane Theater in New Hampshire, which does alternating rep. And one of the shows in their season was Hairspray. I was like, this is great. I'm already doing Hairspray. Clearly, I have a job this summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I auditioned during the layoff. I couldn't do the callbacks because we had to go back on the road. Um, a week or two later, I get a phone call during a rest stop on tour bus for birthday. And the artistic director is like, Kimberly, we'd like to offer you one of the equity tracks for our season. However, I was like, oh, however. He said, however, we would like for you to play Tracy Turnblad.
0: No one can see it right now, but my jaw <laughs> is on the floor.
1: I said, oh, really? Oh, okay. So, in my head, like, because yeah. as I said earlier, you know, I was a theater and sociology major. So, I'm like, oh, they're going to reverse all the races and talk about racism with, like, God.
0: yeah, right? That's so
1: interesting. Yeah, I'll be crazy term. Like, that's a story I want to tell. Yeah. That's really creative. That is not at all what happened. I totally made that scenario up in my head. So there were five people of color in the show, in a show about racism and integration in oh America God. in the 60s. And I was one of those black people. So it was very interesting, oh especially God. being in New Hampshire. And like, there's, a, I mean, all yeah. across the, the country, there's a lot of interracial adoption Mm-hmm. Stories, you know, families that are multiracial for various reasons. So I had to, of course, make up reasons in my head why I had two white parents and my favorite day was Negro Day and I, uh, all mm. the things so like why was I really integrating this television show that clearly by me being there was already <laughs>
0: integrated? <laughs> like
1: the things we do for the love of the theater. <laughs> um. So in short. That is how I got my equity card. Holy crap. <laughs> After that, I did the Dream Girls tour. Wow. Um, came back, did a brief production of Hairspray uh, at The Rep in Little Rock, came back and Broadway, They're yeah, you did amazing.
0: Yeah, so really quick, really, really quick, before we get to the really fun stuff. So okay, were those tours, right? So you did a couple of non-act tours, a couple of Equity tours. What do you think was mm-hmm. just the biggest difference that you noticed between the two? Um, I obviously both were tremendous casts and all of that stuff, but besides that, you know, like the production quality and and just the general experience.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say the biggest difference, um, was the schedule, the touring schedule itself. Yeah. Um, and it really depends on which tour you're talking about. The Wedding Singer was the first national. It was the first tour to go out after mm-hmm. the Broadway production. So we had the Broadway costumes, the Broadway sets. We had all of their stuff. We had a broad, a, like a equity version of a schedule where we were having one and two week sit downs everywhere or a month, um, in like larger markets. That was very different from Hairspray, which was we would have one-nighters where we would do a show and then get on the bus (laughs) and land in the next city at three o'clock in the morning and hope for the best (laughs) the next day. Um, So yeah, the schedule was the, the biggest difference. And even now, you know, that there's CETA, like, So the the lines are being very blurred Mm. um, between the differences between non-union and union. A lot of it has to do with who's running the show, whether they take care of of their people. Mm. Um, And that's independent of whether the union is there or not, I think. Um, I do think that in many cases union guidelines are used on non-union tours because it's just easier Mm. um, than trying to make up the rules on your own. That's sort of what I found across the board is that you know, it's easier to just, okay, they say you should take a break during this amount of time. Okay, we'll take a 10 right now because it's just easier to follow those rules and just try to make it up. Mm.
0: So Shortly after you came back, you made your Broadway debut. Do you remember that audition process?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I came back and started taking classes. Um, you know, those like casting director classes that yeah. you take. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually with Benton Whitley. Amazing. Who I know, um, <laughs> who's like blown out to be this huge star casting director. And I'm mm-hmm. super proud of him. He's just an awesome guy. Um, but yeah, so I was singing with him and, and uh, he and the other instructor assigned me a, a song from, from Sister Act, mm-hmm. um, Fabulous Baby Loves, um, which was great because I got to work on the material and they were looking for people. Now, at the time, Telsey didn't want to see me <laughs> because uh, I didn't have the vocals. Whatever, it's fine. (laughs) Me and my representation, they worked their patooties off and they got me in the room. And yeah, I went in and uh, they were like, great. And it came down, like had the initial audition and then it was final callbacks the following week. And it was me and I think 10 other women. We started at 10 a.m. with dancing. They had like a tall group and then a short group. (laughs) I I was in the short group. (laughs) I was actually the tall person in the short group. So I was like in the middle, the average. Um, And yeah, they just kept us for the day. After we all danced, they had us sing and do the sides and they just kept cutting people until it was me and one other woman. And they uh, dismissed her and Jerry Zachs offered me the job in person, which never happens. Whoa. I know. So wow. I was in old, what's now Old Telsey,
0: uh-huh. you know,
1: and standing in the waiting area. Like, yeah. uh, so he also went to Dartmouth. He was like, I know you went to Dartmouth. I know you're gonna work hard. We would like for you to join the company. Uh-huh. I was like, I would love to join the <laughs> company. What I'm also thankful for is like so now like Hades Town like is my third Broadway mm-hmm. show, and every time the phone call is is just as special because we work so hard to to get there. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who Broadway is such a a dream and a and a calling to be one of the chosen ones is
0: yeah is a gift. So I'm very That's thankful. Beautifully, beautifully said. So. You know, over the years, I mean, you've, you say that Hadestown was your third Broadway show and you've mm-hmm. worked a lot as, as a professional actor. So what do you think you've discovered over this time of pursuing this career that works for you in the audition room? And what have you discovered doesn't work for you? hmm Um,
1: what I've discovered Overwhelmingly works for me is that I need to be myself hmm. and not try to be what they what I think they want me to be mm-hmm. because usually it's wrong like hmm. I'm wrong about what they think what I think they want um and two, I'm not good at whatever they i think they think they want like I'm not clairvoyant there's no it's better to just be myself and bring my special sauce to the mix um and if it's a right if it's the right fit if it's the right you know seasoning for the I don't know the soup, <laughs> if it's the right. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's the right seasoning for the soup, then 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 it's the right seasoning. For... And if it's not, we'll say chili. If it's the right seasoning for the chili, then I it's like then it's. Yeah, <laughs> but if it's right, it's right. And if it's not, it's not going to be. And there's no amount of forcing it that will make it right. You know.
0: What about you know habits that you've either had to kick to the curb or things you've noticed in your prep process that just weren't serving you?
1: I'm gonna flip your question a bit. I think when I realized that, uh, it's funny because I've always said I'm an actor first, like an actor, singer, dancer. And I know that people see me and they're like, oh, she's a dancer. Mm. And I have to quickly tell people, no, especially having been in Lion King, I know some dancers. I am not (laughs) that. And I know some some singers. And I, I sing very well, but first I'm an actor yeah. and I use movement and my voice to tell stories. And once I started to really approach my auditions in that way, it was a lot more success um, because I was serving what my personal calling was, which is to tell, to tell the story, you know, versus, yeah. Ooh, am I going to land that double today because I haven't been in class in a while? Yeah, versus or am thinking I... about
0: the technique, you're thinking about the story. Exactly, exactly.
1: Because the other thing is there's there's a whole rehearsal period, even if you just have two weeks. Like, there's the two weeks in the rehearsal studio and then those, those same two weeks that you're rehearsing at home that you're taking the voice lesson, that you're working on the material. Like, there's room to really develop the, the technique of it to make it really fit. Hmm. Um, but if you aren't already telling the story, like if you don't have a a benchmark at least for me that you're starting at,
0: can you tell me a little bit about your experience with Hades Town? I know that the show itself and and all of it has been in creation for quite some time. When did you join the production and and even down to, you know, the audition process, what was that like for you?
1: I did a <laughs> yeah, I just been saying I'm not a dancer. I did a choreography workshop. For
0: she said Gotta she's not a money. dancer, and here she is yelling at me that she did a choreography. I will
1: say with full confidence that I am a fierce mover.
0: Okay, like
1: really fierce mover. Okay, yes. <laughs> Um so <laughs> uh yeah, I did a choreography workshop with Amon Simmons who also yeah. was one of the you know original workers in the show and Jesse Shelton was in it as well. But she's been with the show since Johnson's since New York Theater workshop. So yeah. She's a whole other character. Anyway, um yes, yeah, so he and I did choreography workshop um right before they went to London. Okay. Um, And so we were the purpose was really to explore the the role of the workers chorus because they sort of appeared more when they went to Canada. But I think they wanted to integrate them more into the story Mm -hmm. um, and also try out some new vocal arrangements um, with five part harmony, um, especially because they, you know, in the original like on stage, like fully fleshed out production, there were no workers. Um, and so the fates and all the principals were singing everything. <laughs> mm. um, and so, yeah, we, we had a two week workshop um, and the last day we did it, you know, we presented all the choreo, which actually some of it is still in the show mm. and some of it is not, <laughs> but some of it is the audition combination oh <laughs> sneaky sneaky <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really cool experience actually because we got to read through the whole play after mm-hmm. well it's really an opera there is spoken text it but it's, is, it's yeah. basically an opera so and I had listened to the whole New York Theater Workshop soundtrack before we did it so just being able to sing along from what I remember it and like Music is so magical. And just Mm -hmm. to hear it all in context was like, I have to be a part of the show Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes back. And um, they found their theater when they were in London. Like everybody else, I had an audition. They were very ambitious. They were trying to cast it in the two weeks before Christmas. I will say that I was one of the people who was hired in those two weeks. So I'm very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. I do know that they continued auditions All the way up to like a week before we started rehearsals.
0: Whoa.
1: In February. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. But also necessary. Like our show is very small and very intimate. You have to have the right combination of people. And I think they did a really wonderful job of like putting unique storytellers together Mm -hmm. um, who are all amazing artists in their own right you know um it's like everybody in the ensemble covers somebody and or multiple people just yeah there were a lot of a lot of roles a lot of a lot of
0: moving parts quite literally in that literally (laughs) lights holes in the floor All of the above. You understudied Persephone in that production. And I know that you've understudied quite a bit in your lifetime now. So do you have a process now for learning your understudy track?
1: I learned early on, and I'm very thankful that I learned that, (laughs) (laughs) that I have to learn it myself. And if I teach it to myself before they start teaching it to me, it will stick better, and it will be my own rendition. Which ultimately, even, even though they say, no, you go here, you go here, you don't no, do this, do that, ultimately they want it to be my version. And even though mm. I'm hitting the, the numbers, like a replica of Amber Gray is not helpful because right. right. I'm not Amber. Nobody's Amber except Amber. <laughs> she is. That's
0: true. That's very true. She is amazing.
1: <laughs> but the thing is also, I would never want to be Amber. Yeah. I would want to be myself as Persephone. And Amber can shine as, Amber Gray as Persephone, you know, just like Alfred Hines can shine as, Hines as Persephone yeah, or Kim right. Steele or Joao And Like, it's better to do the work ahead of time so that when you start working with stage management, or I was lucky enough to work with and have conversations with Rachel and to really fine tune who my Persephone was it makes it easier when you've done the work ahead of time because then it's specific and it's not broad strokes of go here, sing this, say that. For this particular show, I actually found myself doing research on Greek mythology (laughs) just because there is source material.
0: There is. There's a lot of it too. (laughs) There's a lot of
1: source material. I have to find the
0: book.
1: I found this book. It's a modern translation of persephone's story her origin story how she ended up you know her fall or basically being kidnapped and raped by her uncle who is hades and they get married and all of that you know spending six months above ground and underground and then smack in the middle of the book you run into orpheus and eurydice which is what the story that Uh is our play um and, you know, the fates are in there. And I really enjoyed this translation because, you know, the Greek gods are like people. Yeah. They have egos, they have fears, all the things, joy, yeah. pain, whatever. Yeah. It was just really cool to read this book and be like,
0: yeah, a leaders, a badass. When you're not performing Persephone, when you're performing your own onstage track, how are you maintaining that, all of, all of the material that you've learned for her? So, okay, I've,
1: I've never, this is my first time opening a show. I did not know how much brain juice <laughs> is necessary. <laughs> um, but also just like knowing the material ahead of time and knowing it back in front is a necessity. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Like I almost, I almost went on for the first time two weeks after we opened. And wow. I have had not an area one rehearsal. Wow. Um, and, it, you know, she ended up being able to come in. Mm-hmm. But I did go on two weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Being prepared and doing the work ahead of time is paramount. Experiencing that scare and then actually going on, it was um, a lesson in knowing that I have to be prepared at all times. The plague hit the building, as it is wont to do. This was actually in, like, late, January before so I I don't think it was COVID I think it was just that really nasty flu that was also happening right when the pandemic was coming over here um but yeah we had someone on vacation we had someone on a personal day a person who had called out sick and then a fourth person called out sick we did not have enough coverage in the building for the combination of people who were out Uh And so, and it was a Wednesday, which is a two-show day. And from 5 p.m. until 6.45, I had to learn and be put in for a part that I do not cover. Ah! Because I was the only person. So I also understudy, um, technically, Fate 3, the accordion fate. (laughs) I'm the only person in the building who had a costume. Oh. (laughs) So I had to learn Fate 2. Now, mind you, they had planned for a situation like this for the following week. So I was learning fate one, learning the violin. So I learned and performed fate two
0: between shows. Wow. You know, you were performing up until March then, up until the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. we're recording this during the pandemic, during the craziness of the election. How are you keeping busy during this time? How are you keeping afloat? How are you keeping insane.
1: I was supposed to go on vacation the, fa- the week after. Oh my God. Shutdown. So I went anyway. <laughs> it was supposed to be a solo vacation to Puerto Rico. Wow. By the time I went, they had three cases of COVID yeah. and they were on the opposite side of the island. So I was like, well, I'm just going to pack my masks and my Lysol wipes and- enjoy my 3 days on the beach. I mean, it was so relaxing and exactly what I needed um at the time just to kind of decompress. It was such a marked difference from like when I got in the plane to go. Everybody there was like kind of chill. Like, oh, well, first of all, the governor had just in- instituted a curfew there. So, they had definitely changed some things, but like nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was like doing the most. By the time I left, the same cab driver who <laughs> brought me to the resort picked me up, I'd like a a shower curtain and thing, masked up, gloved up, everybody was wiping down their seats in the plane. All, I mean, I, I think people realized very quickly there that like this is not a disease to mess around with and to be careless about. Um, and that's kind of how I've been approaching it. I haven't really gone anywhere. Um, I have been able to see family and, you know, that sort of calculated risk. but even then we're wearing masks when we see each other. Um, we try to be outside if we have to eat or like we open all the windows <laughs> so there's ventilation. Um, and, you know, even now we're talking about Thanksgiving, it's probably just gonna be Zoom, everybody at their house. Ooh, what are you eating? <laughs> oh, we're eating all this <laughs> <laughs> just because it's too cold outside. It is. Nobody's yeah, got time for that. Money wise, um, my partner and I invested in like a DIY voiceover studio situation and like upgraded all my equipment. And that's great. We're cutting PVC pipes and hanging blankets and things. Okay. It was a very great art project that has (laughs) been paying rent, so I'm I'm okay with it. (laughs) Um, So between that and like doing workshops and stuff, um, and actually I've been teaching. I'm teaching a song interpretation class at Drexel. We had Uh, class last night. They're slaying. They are really
0: great. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Even though it's not performing, you're there's you're still finding other ways of, of staying fulfilled. And I think teaching is so, so incredibly fulfilling. It really is
1: special. And I think the root of the gift is that we're still making art. Just to brag on my drafts students. So we're doing, it's called a musical theater cabaret. And the theme that I've chosen is millennial musicals. So essentially it's songs that from shows um, that Were produced during their lifetime, you know, in the last 20 years, or by um, composers who are, you know, millennials or a later generation. And it's just so cool to hear them sing songs that they relate to. Uh, There's something special about being able to have that personal connection to your artistry, and and they really are digging in um, in ways that I wasn't anticipating, and I'm Mm. appreciative of that.
0: Speaking of millennial musicals, so these shows that you've done, you know, uh, Lion King and Book of Mormon and things like that, these are only written, you know, within the past 10, 20 years. So Mm this will be fun because we're going to do a little lightning round. So all I want is I'm going to name off. These are all shows you've either done, uh, you know, on Broadway, on tour. I'm just going to name the show and top of your head, the first song that comes to mind that is just your total absolute favorite song from the show. Starting off with Sister Act. I knew you were going to say that. Sister Act. Next, Lion King.
1: Endless Night.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Dream Girls. Ooh, there's two. Stepping to the bad side. And then, because I did it, and it was fun, <laughs> um, it was the stepsisters portion of... I'm looking for something,
0: baby. Something Yeah, that one. Yes. Yes, and Choreo. Uh hairspray.
1: Oh, um, okay. I'm gonna give you one of the songs, but it is not the only song. Okay. Here's a song with a small anecdote. I know where I've been. Yes. The anecdote is when Obama was being elected, we were doing the show in canada and in the green they had this massive green room um and they put like the count off on a screen projector screen and he won right before we went on stage to
0: go sing that song i have so many chills right now Are
1: i have kidding? chills right now i'm not kidding
0: well can't really top that but let's continue <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Sounds good. um oh interested to hear yours the wedding singer
1: also two songs Saturday night we in the city mm-hmm. and then oh I just love all of Linda's songs she's just kooky <laughs> I mean you can't you can't beat Felicia friendly. that's the other thing too
0: oh yeah comedic mm-hmm. genius book of
1: Mormon book of Mormon um I, I don't know I don't have a favorite I don't have a favorite for that show that's the truth I enjoyed Doing spooky Mormon hal dream. Maybe that's my favorite. So I was one of the demons, you know. You're just like, why do you have us running around and flipping and velour suits with hooked toes? Now here's the the challenging part. So when we were just do- so we I was in the first national. So this was all new. I mean, not all new, but new enough. New enough where they were like trying different lines of things. Mm-hmm. And- we were doing tech in Denver, running around in those velour
0: suits. Could you breathe? No! <laughs> all right, and the last one, and I'm very curious to see what you'll say, Jones.
1: I like If It's True, all of Persephone's songs, obviously. <laughs> She's got the best material.
0: <laughs> You're not biased.
1: I'm not biased, but... I will tell you during that reading when Amber was
0: singing those songs I was
1: like Oh, like all of the music is stellar and amazing.
0: Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me today in this crazy crazy time. Uh, thank, thank you, you for having you. me. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This is a really fun conversation. Yeah you're pretty rad. <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at actor aesthetic and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the actor aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Vera signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.